0: Welcome to Devil's Advocate. In today's discussion, we'll be taking a look at racism and competition. How much does competition play a role in racism, not just in America, but around the world? First, let's take a look at racism within itself. Racism falls under discrimination, which has various topics that one could conclude as a discriminating factor against someone. Um, race, sex, and religion, politics, anything that is you know, discriminating against someone. Um, racism, to me, isn't an American issue. It's a human issue. It's around the world. India, South America, Africa, of course, as a whole, China, it's around the world, it's a human issue. The core of racism stems from competition, this ideal of having to be better, um, self-worth, to me, is where it stems from. And competition um, is a human trait that we all engage in, consciously and subconsciously. But this need to be better. We're born into that world of competing with one another to succeed or be better. Um, It starts from as a child, growing up, and sporting events, um, It's this football field for kids, or some form of sports, or cheerleading for a girl, or the, the school you went to, the high school, college you went to, the city you're from, the town you're from, The state you're from, all the way into your country. Luckily, we don't have to compete against other worlds yet, so that's great. But this sense of competition, of being better, this self worth, we're always trying to prove our worth. Trying to be accepted by someone or others and and pressure to do things that's outside of your character and you look back on and reflect and you know, you feel bad. You know in life as you get older and grow as a person as I hope some people do, um, some people don't grow and that's their journey but for the most part we all grow grow in some certain areas that you know we look back and can't believe our mind was where it was and we thought the way we thought and you can't take it away but you've grown and I think that's the part of change that you have to embrace um, it's okay to be uncomfortable and I think that people as people we have to embrace that word of uncomfortable because through being uncomfortable is true change. So be comfortable being uncomfortable. Because that's how we grow. You can't grow playing safe. You know, I eat this food because I know what it tastes like. I don't know what your food tastes like. It's, you know, unknown. No matter how much they praise it, you, you may step out and eat it, but it's tense. Be comfortable being uncomfortable. Race in America. Be comfortable with the uncomfortable aspect of asking the question of racism in America. A lot of times we we would like to say, well, it's not like it used to be. It's much better. And that's a way of of avoidance. Avoidance in the sense of, um, well, we are doing things and we're moving in the right direction. And it's true. I feel we are moving in the right direction when it comes to that word um, in America. But moving to that direction requires being uncomfortable sometimes because at the face of it, on the conscious side, it's, I'm not racist, but it's this unconscious side of us that it exists. Um, if you ever notice when you see someone on drugs, alcohol, or just upset beyond belief, they spew these words of racism, of, of hate, because their filter has been broken. Your mind and society, we we know the consequences of saying things now. Racist things can now be used against us. You lose your job and so forth. So we're very cautious of our words in today's society. So it moves from a conscious side to the unconscious side. So you're constantly working to make sure you conceal that type of rhetoric. And then, of course, one of those three elements that come out, alcohol, anger, or drugs, and boom, it's, you know, I don't mean it. That's not me. Now you have to do an apology about how you don't mean it. Well, it came from a place, whether you want to believe it or not. It came from your unconscious side of you, the side that you try to cover and hide and, and put down to a a thing. Instead of you addressing the unconscious side within yourself, going to those uncomfortable levels, that's why it came out the way it did. Because you refused to address you, the person, in these uncomfortable subject matters. You know? These uncomfortable subject matters, we all lock away. You try to put it down and think about it only in our quiet moments because we don't want to be judged. No one wants to be judged. Hell, I don't want to be judged, but I will be, and it's okay. We keep a lot of things locked down there. I challenge you. It's sometimes we have to get our key out and go to the cellar of our brain and our mind and our soul. Open it and walk down the steps into our cellar. And we have to start looking through things in our cellar that we keep down there, that we put away, where we put our our religious beliefs, our true beliefs, um, the the thought of death and and what's going to happen in this world when I'm gone and, and where are we from, what is this universe about, that world, that door that you keep all that hidden away in, that fear, you have to get that key out at some point and go down into your cellar and face the things that you've locked away there. I always found interesting is um, when victims of racism spew or say racist things to other cultures because I always felt if you were a victim of oppression racism that you would be least likely to be a racist person to other cultures because you experienced it and you know how you felt about it but I don't find that to be true because it goes back to the, the common thing that I say racism exists under this competition of being better. I'm from South Florida, and in South Florida, near the Caribbean, we have the Haitian community is very heavy in South Florida. Now, if you confuse uh, a black American with, as being Haitian, they get very offended by that term because they look down upon the Haitian community as if they're lower than an African-American, as far as they are concerned. And you've just insulted them in some aspects. Um, another culture that holds true is in Puerto Rico, where uh, they look down on, on Mexicans. If you confuse a Puerto Rican person for a Mexican, they look down upon them. Like, I am not a no Mexican. Because they find that them to be lower than them culturally. Um, as well as Cubans so I find it interesting how oppressed people can also be oppressors and it just comes back to this whole sense of competition well I'm better than you are they may be better than me but I'm better than you so you can't talk to me you're beneath me you stay down there And I feel whereas you have to attack racism as a whole, you can't compartmentalize racism to the victims, yet you are also oppressing people that you feel is beneath you, then you're a problem. You're not a part of the solution, you're a part of the problem. Just because you're blind and ignorant to the plight of others don't make you a victim. It makes you a problem. Because the solution is you. if you scream that you're a victim then your actions should scream that you're against it no matter who it is. Because you know exactly what it feels like to be a victim. You can't be a victim Yet, be an oppressor. Be a victim. Being a victim should be a person who inspires change. Always look to inspire change. And to inspire change in others, start with inspiring change within yourself. It inspires change by being uncomfortable with who you are and taking that key I told you and go to your cellar and confront the things you blocked away. Confront who you are, not who you think you are. One analysis that I want to share with you on how I view this concept of, of competition being a core behind racism uh, on an unconscious side. I don't think that it's necessarily the top ideal that racism is formed through this ideal of competition. Um, But as the examples I laid out before, competition actually exists in everything we do. Everything we do is attributed to some form of competition, um, consciously and unconsciously. Uh, One analysis is how they're pitted against one another and how they constantly competition is changing our views and what we support what we don't support and a lot of times it may be a different benefit for one conflict versus another and one example that I look at is I want to take you back to 1938 country still divided racism, Segregation, Jim Crow laws, um, contentious time in America. But what's so special about 1938, uh, was a boxing fight. Joe Lewis versus Max Smelling. Now, this wasn't your typical boxing match, of course. This had, um... An impact on the world uh, in a sense of how life, how things are viewed. Um, here on one side, you had Joe Lewis, African American boxer. Prior to him was Jack Johnson, African American who was deemed a bad Negro in the sense of how he did what he wanted acted any kind of way, dated white women, everything against the white status quo of America. They refused to ever let a, a, a black person ever fight for a belt again, um, based on Jack Johnson's actions. But finally, Joe Lewis broke through. Now, he broke through and obviously won the title, became a great fighter. But he broke through on... Fitting what they described as a good Negro. Um, Joe Lewis caught a lot of flack in Black America because they felt he gave in to that status quo. But what's so important about this particular fight in the Joe Lewis and Max Smelling is what it represented. On one hand, you have Joe Lewis, African American, in a segregated country where blacks aren't treated equal. Fighting a white boxer. Yet all the white people of that country are behind Joe Lewis, this African-American who isn't treated of equal. But they're not behind this white boxer, Max Spelling, because who he represents. He's a German fighter. this is that beginning of the Third Reich with Adolf Hitler. And obviously we all know what Adolf Hitler represented and the ideologies behind what he represented. Which, you know, some parts are still going on today in that neo-Nazis ideals. But competition of race was set aside. Because see, white America can support Joe Lewis now, on this stage, under these circumstances, even though he was going against a white person. Because the white person represented Germany. So now what you have is, this isn't a competition of black and white. The competition is America versus Germany. So really, what do you value more? So The benefit is for white establishment in America is America first. It outweighed the race card of white over black. So therefore, we're definitely supporting Joe Lewis to beat Max. Do it for America, Joe. We're behind you. But once the fight is over, Joe, you still go through the back door. You're back to normal, and this is another form of competition. But the difference here is they supported Joe based on the concept of once again a competition of being better to prove to Germany that America's better. So, in this circumstance, under this circumstance, I support Joe Lewis, is what they're saying because. The bigger fight is Germany. We have to show you we're better than you are. Now I want to take a look at cultural lifestyle and how we pass judgment on those lifestyles of different cultures um, first let's take a look at judgment as it as itself um, we all judge people in things around us and every aspect of life okay it's how we're wired Okay, we're wired to analyze everything because our unique obligation is to survive so in order to survive, we have to log and deem everything around us what can cause danger or harm to our agenda of survival. So the notion that you won't judge is impossible. We all judge. The difference is, we have the conscious and the unconscious. It's, you know, I may think a person is an idiot. not say he's an idiot, but it doesn't take away the fact that I view him as an idiot. So the judgment has been passed. You just didn't hear the verbiage to support it. Um, so we're all going to have judgment about others. That's just a part of our being human. So if we're all going to have this ability, and we're all going to use it, we can't help but use it. It's a part of who we are. Therefore, we're constantly judging other cultures. And this is a little bit where this segment comes into play with the cultural lifestyle and the judgment. It's not a question of will you judge? The question is, will you go back to reevaluate your judgment? Because... I going to give you an example of um, commercials or um, uh, that I used to see, and they still go on, um, about Africa. Kids in Africa, um, malnutrition, not getting food, and if you could support a child with only 39 cents a day, you can change the life of a child. Um, I'm sure you've all seen those commercials. And as a kid, I used to think, oh, that is, that's all of Africa. All of Africa is just these kids and these people that are starving and so forth. And that's far from the truth. Um, but I didn't learn that until later as I started actually studying more about Africa and what's going on there. And the truth of the matter is, that situation does exist at a very high rate, yes. But there are some actual um, cities and places in Africa that are thriving and live no different than the Western world. Um, but I didn't think that. I didn't. I thought all of Africa was what I saw. And that's what I mean when I say reevaluate previous judgments. Um, because that's how you grow. I mean, that's, that's literally how you grow. And we know that in life, our environment dictates our way of thinking. You know? You're not born racist. We don't know what race is when we're born. You're taught it. You're taught to be racist or whatever it is you are. We're taught that. Whether it's our parents, whether it's our peers, or whether it's uh, media. Um, Prime example is you you take a look at uh, Birth of a Nation. One of the most influential films of its time and still to this day is probably one of the most infamous movies of recruitment for the Ku Klux Klan. And that movie portrayed blacks as these savages and um, they can't live in normal society and so forth. Um, in White's were the savior of mankind. And, and this movie had a, a, you know, very powerful, derogatory way of portraying uh, colored people within that time. Well, I mean, the people, I mean, colored people at that time was already living in segregation and, and you know, slavery, mentality of how they were treated and then here comes this film and this is early in film world you know um, so the media had a huge impact on how you view people because at the end of the day if you if you're from Kentucky or Louisiana or somewhere you only know your environment you know how it is to grow up in Kentucky and the people around there. That's all you know. So, you draw knowledge of other cultures that's not in that environment from what you see and, and, and maybe what you hear as well. And that's all you have to go off of. So, the question really comes into it's not the initial judgment. The initial judgment is what you see and you make that analysis. But the ability to go back and reevaluate judgments or things and it's not necessarily predicated to just reviews about our culture or race it should be things in general having the ability to reevaluate things that you may have thought of or things that were taught to you as a child you know i mean how many times as a kid You were taught this way from your parents and you said, well, when I get older, this won't happen. Or you thought it was wrong as a kid when your parent did this and you got older and you saw it like, wow, they were right. (laughs) Whether you told them or not. Um, The ability to reevaluate oneself is the most important aspect of growth. It's okay to be wrong. But it's not okay to not reevaluate oneself over time. Because that's ignorance. Because we don't all know the answer to everything. So reevaluating keeps us in check, keeps us growing, makes us better. Now, as we look at the cultural aspect that we came in this segment about, it's about cultural lifestyle and its influence on other cultures and how we're viewed. Within the rap culture, um, in order to be a rapper that's respected by the community, um, you have to have lived uh, a life that is, has been a part or associated to street life to earn street credit. So, if you haven't lived that street life, you have no credit. So, no one will listen to you because they don't believe you. Um, And it plays a role because a lot of the youth in African American culture don't believe in school. Anymore, they don't believe that um, four-year college is for them, or that you know their parents, or for that matter, couldn't afford. So, in anything in life, you you, you start justifying reasons and coming up with things why you shouldn't shouldn't go down a certain road. Um, and those are some of the reasons. Um, me personally, I feel that. A personal drive to be better should come from within. Not on previous things, but that's neither here nor there. But this is how it's viewed. So, okay, it's a young kid coming up in some yeah, um, tough area, and I want to be a rapper. Oh, I have to live the street life. Well, that's not a problem, because i lived the street life all my life in most cases. Why? Because the street life is a part of the community. Gangs are are everywhere. Everyone wants to be associated. And not to be associated means, you know, you're left out to drive. Something happens. And no one wants to be the one with no one having their back. You know, in the black community, you you know, your parents don't want you to be a part or associated to a gang. But your parents are at work. They're working hard. You're the one to have to make that walk home or whatever by yourself. And one example of, of how rough it can be. Let's say you live on 70th Street and there's a gang on 60th Street. Well, you don't wanna be in a gang. Your parents don't want you to be in a gang. You just wanna to go to school and live a good you know, go to college. Okay. Okay, you go to school, you know. Where do you live? Well you I live on seventieth street. Oh, you want of them. No, I, I live on that street, but I'm not affiliated. Don't matter. Because you live on that street, you're automatically affiliated with 70th Street. Now here's the problem. You don't have to be in 70th Street game. They'll ask you and you can be like, nah, I'm good, I don't wanna I'm like, okay. guess what 50th street 40th street all of those streets still know you live on 70th street regardless of your affiliation with 70th street gang or not and you guess what they're gonna do they're gonna jump you they're gonna try to beat you up because at the end of the day you still live on that street whether you're a part of 70th street or not and that's how they live that's what they believe so guess what? You take a few beatings or get jumped on. 70th Street still there. Hey, you wanna join the gang? Well, yeah, why not? I mean, if not joining you, I'm getting beat up. At least if I join you, I got some protection. And these are the situations in that young kids are forced to make these decisions and even if they didn't want to be a part of a gang it's almost like you're you're forced to be a part of a gang because if you're not repercussions are are bigger um so this is just a little backstory of how kids can be forced into gangs and they don't even want to be a part of it now you're you're in the gang and now everything that goes with it now is on your plate um So let's say now you have street credit. Well, to be in a gang, you're going to do a lot of bad and illegal stuff. And when you get those strikes on you and you get arrested for this or that, all of a sudden, this dream, it starts going down. can't get into certain colleges. You got a record. You got this. But you were a good kid. You wanted to go four years of college. You just wanted to not get jumped. You know, I didn't know Johnny had this or that on him. I was just riding. Doesn't matter. So in the black community, you have these situations that force kids into making these type of decisions. They're what, 10, 11 years old sometimes? Early in life. Now, let's get back to street credit. Now you got your street credit, so you want to be a rapper. Because at the end of the day, a lot of times, you see them on TV. You see them flashy with the cars and the money and so forth. I want, they didn't go to college. Look at them. I don't have to go to college to achieve what they did. So you buy into that. And that's your belief. So you don't want to go to school. Sports is the same way. Sports is a mentality of you have to be strong, tough, hard. Destroy the guy across from you. Whether it's boxing, basketball, football. That's the mentality. So, when you take all these mentalities coming out of African American communities, almost like a um, a, a mixing pot of just rage and, and Be this, be that, be strong, be this person. Um, It bleeds in other parts of your life. No different than a a child that didn't have his father in his life. There's going to be other ramifications of that in that child's life on certain things. You don't know what yet. Depend, you know, every kid is different on what is the effect we don't know yet each kid is different on what that effect of having a broken home is going to have well when you pursue sports or rap as your only means of getting out there's effects to that because see that mentality that that practice field put onto you it's going to bleed into the other aspects of your life because that's the mentality you think with You had to think that way on the practice field, destroy, kill, beat him, you know, power, rap game, whatever, in the rap. I have to be the street life, or they're gonna, you know, I have to be this person. It bleeds in other parts of your life now. Because you have to have this tough skin. I would argue a lot of black men don't know how to be vulnerable, how to love. Because they're not allowed to be vulnerable. They're not allowed to to give um, a part of themselves to someone else because they're always holding on, because they have to. They have to be strong. That's what we were taught. So you slowly start losing parts of what it is to be human, what it is to be in love. They can't. So when you get older, you don't know how to deal with that on earth communicate with other people in a non-confrontational way everything has been confrontational for you how to not you know be confrontational now a lot of black blacks african-americans for example they might go to a job and they spend most of their job trying not to curse you out they have to practice on how to not curse you out because in the community that's all they do. If you get into an argument, you cuss them out like you're crazy. But then when you go to um, some working class world, professional world, here you are biting your lip the whole day because all you know is how to unleash that fire that that that's driven you this far in life. On the other hand, back to judgment as a Caucasian white person or other race that sees this black person in your mind you're fighting all day trying not to be what's already in you because you've already judged so you don't want to be viewed as racist or or this or that so you spend your day making sure you're not being racist oh did i do that so and you're probably not racist but now you're being extra just to make sure you're not and these are the simple and small things that mess with us in our head you know Here you are, a non-racist person per se, at least consciously, but you spend your time making sure you're not saying or doing anything to be viewed racist. Because subconsciously, you are racist. We all are. We all are. Subconsciously, I'm racist. And subconsciously, most people are racist. Most everyone. You you, you discriminate to a race to, in some fashion or form. Maybe it's not egregious or, or to what you think. And sometimes you don't even know it's offensive or racist. Simpler things. And then you have the overt. You have extremists. Of course, they're racist. They're extremists. But then you have the people who sit in the middle just trying to find their way. And it's not to say... Hey, I'm not blaming you for being racist. We're not that far removed from the civil rights movement. You think it just goes away? No. It takes work to be better. It takes work to be a better person. We have come to the end. And I feel in conclusion... I think one cannot deny that competition is a major part of racism it fuels it tremendously our life is a competition so therefore race has its own form of competition with other race the question however comes into you as an individual and where do you sit on this playing field because at the end of the day you are the one that's responsible for you and how you believe and how does your next generation believe because hate racism isn't a trait you're born with you're taught to feel that way do you want to teach the next generation the things that you had to learn and have to understand better now I should hope not as we all try to grow and hope that generations from now can grow and not be what we had to go through or what we had to deal with. And to do that, you have to go to the cellar. You have to go down to your own personal cellar and face your demons and face the things that you locked away and say that they don't hold you hostage anymore because you can face them. Are we probably all racist? I think so. To some degree, I think we are all are. But we all can be better by reevaluating where it comes from. And it starts with where you were born and how you grew up and and the judgment that you place on others, reevaluating those judgments and understanding the culture isn't your culture. So they're going to be different. People are going to act different. They're going to eat different things. Maybe in that culture they eat snake. I'm like, "Whoa, I would never." that's that culture. I can't say that that person is a nasty person because they eat bugs and rats or whatever they do. It's not for me, (laughs) but that's the life that they're dealt with, baby. Maybe it's because of their social status, their financial situation, but by me posing judgment on them is wrong. I understand that in life we're human. We're going to make judgments. But I also understand that I have a choice to make a judgment opposite of that innate thing as a human. And the opposite judgment is to not judge. To have compassion for others. So the next time you hear racism and this and that it's time to not be afraid it's okay to hear this discussion as heated as it gets it's still needed because we're still in the middle of trying to escape its wrath and if America is truly the land of the free and the leader then we have to set the example for the rest of the world because how far we go is how far the world can go. There are some countries that's much better than us in this area, and there's countries that's much worse. So in, till we speak again, enjoy your day, reevaluate your life, reevaluate your seller reevaluate all your judgments on anything that you've judged as you grow older that's what you do peace